0: The freedom of submission is is the title of the sermon today. The freedom of submission. And uh, what's interesting is we're kicking off a week here that is going to carry this theme for the next month. Peter tells us in a survey form that we are God's people, we are His chosen, we are called out of darkness and into His marvelous light, but we find ourselves living here in, in a fallen land. So, who are we supposed to be? How are we supposed to live? Well, it's interesting to me that he would follow that call to stand out, to let our works shine, that they would see our good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven, right? And then follow that with with really what's going to be four Sundays on the topic of submission. Four Sundays on the topic of submission. So it is truly the freedom of submission that God has brought us into, especially when you think about our story. Okay, so point number one today, before we really get into these verses, I just want to draw attention to the fact that we, my friends, believers, Christians, both here and around the world, we are redeemed rebels. We are redeemed rebels. So we need to remember our story, right? We need to make sure that we are aware it was the defining reality of our lives, rebellion, It used to be. It it was in us. Instinctually, we were were natural-born rebels. In fact, I love how Spurgeon put it. Listen to how he sums this up. From the moment when our mother Eve stretched out her hand to pluck the forbidden fruit and her husband joined her in setting up the human will against the divine, the sons of men, that is all of us here, have universally been guilty of a lack of conformity to the will of God. They chose their own way and will not to submit their wills. They think their own thoughts and will not submit their understanding. Uh, They love earthly things and will not submit their affections. uh, Man wants to be his own law and his own master. That's not just true of the people out there. That's true of all of us left to ourselves. Apart from the hope and the power of the gospel in Jesus Christ, that defines us to the fires of hell for all eternity. Rebels against God, against His will, against uh, what He has commanded, against all that He has designed for us, instinctual rebels. So, as redeemed rebels... We need to be aware that uh, God is in the process now, both positionally, as, as declaring us righteous in Christ, justified, but then sanctification is the process whereby He replaces this rebellion with what I'm calling the freedom of submission. The freedom of submission. It is the beautiful working of God in us to change us from who we were as rebels, against his will, into joyful servants of God. And this shows up in all kinds of different ways. So the topic of submission is at hand. I want to give a definition. I worked hard at this because I, I, I find a lot of times that if we don't define the terms, we don't, we don't really appreciate what it is we're talking about here. So what is submission? This is what I would say. Christian submission is a spirit-empowered. That's critically important to see. Remember sanctification? It is a synergistic work. We work in God's power. So we are commanded to obey. Well, how do we do it? By depending and trusting and and putting our faith in Him and then deciding. So Christian submission is a spirit-empowered decision to willingly, that is from the heart, obey God through obedience to a God ordained authority. Okay? Now that's the best I can do as far as capturing the the, the, the the moving parts that happen when we decide to submit our will to one that God has placed in authority over us. We're gonna see this show up in a variety of different ways, but I think this this helps get it. So, Is this a natural inclination of us? No, it's not. This is not something that just happens automatically. And apart from God's grace and the gospel, it simply wouldn't. It wouldn't. We are slaves of rebellion. It's what we want and it's what we do. He releases us from that form of slavery into the freedom of submission to him and then to those God-ordained authorities that he's placed in our lives. So consider where we're going here in the coming weeks. 1 Peter 2, 13-17, that's today. Submission to the government. Oh man, don't leave. (laughs) Don't, Don't leave. You're stuck. Okay? Civil authorities. Specifically, all. He said it. He said it. And it means all. All in this passage means all civil authorities. And then after that, Next week, we're going to be looking at the workplace, submission in the workplace. And then the following week, submission in marriage, God's best for his design for marriage. We're not going to be studying it, but for, for, for survey's sake, I want you to see this as well. There is submission that is called for in the church. Obey your leaders and submit to them, it says in Hebrews thirteen seventy. 70, there, there are There are places and and functions of submission in your life across all aspects of it. And submission in the family, these beautiful passages that Ephesians 5 builds out marriage and then moves right into parenting and the call of children. Children, obey your parents, right? And that call of submission uh, is, is unto the Lord. Okay. So... I don't know if you've ever thought of the Christian life in this category before, but the Christian life is a submitting of the will, chiefly to God and to others. That's that's kind of a fascinating spin on it, because yes, we are free. We are free, set free into submission from our rebellion. So let's... Let's go after this. Let's dig on this a little bit. I will point you back to this book, and recommend it once again. "God versus Government," written by Nathan Busnitz and James Coates, the pastor up in Canada. You might remember him uh, in the news a number of times. This is a spectacular book, a build-out of what I'm preaching today. We covered some of these things in Romans chapter 13. If you were here for us through the journey in Romans, Uh, some of that material you'll see here today. But I have a handout for you uh, by the, the Bibles, right, out here on the, on the shelf. Um, make sure to grab one if you haven't seen that. I kind of got the very best of this book, put it on a handout. I want to give credit to these guys. Uh, buy this book, read it, it's excellent. And uh, I, I really appreciate their job, both in this text and all the other passages that relate to it. Submission to civil authorities. Let's begin with just the text. Let's look at it in its full full view. Christians, believers in Jesus Christ, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. What a, what a command that is. Whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants. The word there is slaves, doulos, slaves of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. Okay. Whew. Man, let's do this. Six questions to work on through these verses and a number of others that address this topic. Number one, why does Peter bring this up here? Why is this the the topic that he feels really is important to address right out of the gate? Remember who we're talking about. This is the apostle Peter. This is the only man in the garden to draw the sword. And stand against the authorities. This is the same man who has grown, who's been radically affected by the teachings of Christ as he has ministered and and shared those words and taught those words over a lifetime now. This is toward the end of his days. He will die at the hands of the emperor, Nero. So will Paul, the apostle. This man. He speaks with wisdom of years and direct ears that heard Jesus teach these very things. Why does he bring this up here? Well, remember what we've been moving through. He said in verses uh, 9 and 10, you're a chosen people. You've been called out of darkness. And the reality then is, is that we are, as believers, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. We are no longer part of this system system of rebellion and sin. That's not who we are. We have been removed from that and, and brought into this, this reality of the kingdom of God. We are part of His kingdom already and bringing the gospel to the ends of the earth so that as He ushers in the kingdom that is to come, we will be involved in that work. Think of this. How easy it would to be, be to conclude then, well, we don't have to obey. <laughs> why, why would I care what a fallen system says I have to do? I'm not of that anymore, right? Jesus is my king. I do whatever he says. I'm not worried about governors. I'm not worried about city ordinances, how tall my fence can be, right? Where I can plant my trees or, or, or what the HOA or whatever. I mean, fill in the blank, right? Some of the silly rules. Well. That's clearly, God doesn't care about all those little things, does He? We're of His kingdom. We got bigger fish to fry. We got things to focus on. We're not worried about paying taxes, right? We're not worried about. And all of a sudden, we can find ourselves in a very interesting place. This is exactly what Peter anticipates. It's exactly what God's people are not to conclude. We are not above the law. God did not remove us from the world. He called us out of the dark and sent us in to shine, which means that we are a people who are to honor and respect the law. Verse 16 gets at this. Slide down to verse 16 and see this. Live, believers, live as, as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Like You don't have a license just to disobey civil authority just because you're a Christian. You don't have a license to sin, nor do you have a license to disobey the, the, the police or the, uh, the governor or whoever it is. You, you can't just make up your own law. We live in, a, in a, a culture, a society. We live in a structure. So how are we to be free in the midst of all of these ordinances and authorities. Well, live as slaves of God. That's how. Live under the authority of God and you will find the capacity then to operate within the structure that He places you. Why? Well, because He's sovereign. He's sovereign. He's not only saved us in a sovereign way, He's placed us in a sovereign way. And the way that we are to live is to point to Him, not to be above the law, to walk around as if we're somehow better than those around us or removed from the system of authority that we find ourselves in. This is key. This is really important. It is so easy for believers to begin to justify compromises and and, and illegal activity because we say, well, I don't have to answer to a godless man like that. If he were a righteous man, then maybe I would obey him, but he is not. Therefore, you see, you see where we go? Remember who the emperor is, as Peter writes. Nero is coming on the scene and is about to unleash all hell on Christians. These are equipping words for a church about to suffer at the hand of one of the most godless rulers the world has ever known. Peter says there's opportunity here, and this is how you shine. It's good for us to be reminded of this. That's why he brings it up here. Question number two, how are we then to relate to all civil authorities? When we were in Romans 13, you remember that list I put up? I listed all the civil authorities, from from national, right, the, 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 big, the big dogs, down to the state and local authorities, down into the county, right? And then city ordinances. Have you ever read the city ordinances where you live? It's kind of mind-blowing. There's a lot of them. How do we relate to, to the police officer when we're pulled over? What is the, what is the, the, the response, both of, of word and heart, for the believer to be? Well, it's very, very clear. Be subject, or the New American Standard, submit yourselves. You see the, the call here? That's a blatant command. Submit yourself, Christian, for the Lord's sake, which we're going to build out in a second, to every human institution. If it's the emperor or it's his representatives, those who carry out the emperor's commands, Submit. Hmm. That's uh. That's not always easy, is it? It's not always easy. This is an attitude of submissiveness, followed by actions of willing obedience. It's not. It's not just like, well, I mean, I, fine, I'll do it. I'll do it. If that's how it is, then then fine. We stomp out, you know, in the driveway and take out the garbage. Is that obedience? Not not for kids. If that's how they choose to obey, that that's not that doesn't work for so it doesn't work for us either. We are both to obey and have an attitude. I think the key here is attitude. That may be the most important aspect of the whole thing. What is the vibe that people get when they are around us? What kind of tone do they catch when they spend time with us? And I tell you what, this is convicting. This is convicting. I have been guilty of a tone at times with those in positions of authority over me. <laughs> I had a gun in the mail. I told Jenny, I wasn't going to tell this, but I got to tell <laughs> the, the, It was in the mail, and the ATF changed the law. And guess what? Now it's in the mail again. Going back to where I bought it. Why? Because of these commands. Obey, submit. It is an attitude of submissiveness, as hard as it was to get to that place. Oh, my friends, there is a freedom of conscience that is valuable to find. I want what I do to align with the commandment of God such that when I submit to these authorities, yes, as hard as it is, I remember... Man, someone is getting blasted with text messages. You should, <laughs> did anyone notice this? Can we find Okay, good. It might be the Lord, so... <laughs> we want an attitude of submissiveness such that when we obey those who are placed by God in authority over us, we obey God. We obey God. That's who we're obeying. This is the call. Listen to the the tone, the feel, listen to the vibe here that is to shine forth from our lives in a godless culture. First of all, then, Paul says to Timothy, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people. And then he gets specific. For kings and all who are in high positions, that includes those who represent different things than we do. That includes those who make decisions that we are baffled by. Pray, pray for, pray for, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life. Godly and dignified in every way. These words testify to the king that we serve. We are in this world. We are not of this world, but we are in this world as believers, kingdom representatives of our king. Look at the tone of those words that Paul, the apostle Paul, is calling Timothy to. Now he says these words to Titus, remind them, that is all of us, all of us here believers, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities. It's the same echo here. So Paul and Peter agree, this is the teaching of God's word for us to be obedient. Okay, so it's not just, well, I'll submit if I have to. You know, I have an attitude of submission while I disobey. No, it is an attitude and action. Be obedient and be ready for every good work. Speak evil of no one. Now, let me clarify this. That does not mean that we agree with everyone. That doesn't mean that we just tolerate everything that we see. No. It means that when the world goes to the gutter, we don't follow. You know, you know what I mean? Speak, speaking evil is sin. We're sinning in our words. That's not who we are. Who are we? We're truth tellers. We speak truth. And how do we do it? In love. How are we going to oppose the dark? We're going to shine, not add darkness to it. God's people are to respond with the high road, the fruit of the Spirit, the demonstrations of godliness and truth. This is not always easy. Here's a call. Avoid quarreling. Okay, now you remember... When we were in uh, Romans 13, I mentioned that includes social media, right? That includes how you respond on Facebook when someone blasts you for this or that. Oh, yeah, watch this. (laughs) And before you hit enter, catch yourself, read your words, and honor your king. And hit delete instead of enter. Avoid quarreling. It doesn't mean we, we just lay down and let false teachers roll all over us. No, it doesn't mean that we can't disagree with the murder of, of babies or big issues of, of society. It means that we do so in a way that is respectful. Here's a word gentle. Gentle. You want to shine in our day? Be gentle. Be, be a person of peace in a, in a conflict of hostility. People will be drawn to those who demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit of self-control in the midst of debating a topic or a decision. And then this one, here's a, this is a high calling. I've actually had to send this as an encouragement to folks from time to time after I read their Facebook posts. Like, you know, it's, it applies to me as well, but from time to time, we, we've got to remind each other of this, show perfect courtesy toward all people, toward all people. That means those who come in this door, there's no litmus test, it's sinners, all sinners. Come, hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Let's, let's be clear, we, let me just call this out, we are not a Republican church. We know this. We know this. We are not a church where Republicans only come to worship. That is not who we are. We are not a Democrat church either. We are a Christian church. And our target goal is to see the salvation of every nation, tribe, and tongue. And every voting inclination and every age in between. We are a gospel people, a kingdom work in this place that we have been called to shine. We need this reminder. Perfect courtesy. This is heart and words. Shine. Shine. So, God-centered, that's where it begins. How do we find the way to do this? We lock eyes with our king, the one who rules our lives, the one that we owe everything to. He is the king. He is the authority over all authorities. And then we seek to live in his light and shine godly and dignified peaceful and law-abiding praying and participating people so yes should we vote absolutely we should vote vote every opportunity you get yes in the, the 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 freedoms and the responsibilities that god has given us we leverage every opportunity to shine And we proclaim the truth of God in love to everyone we come across. So, number three, who institutes all civil authorities? This is the secret. I think this is the key that unlocks a submissive heart. Remember what it all tracks back to who is sovereign? Be subject for the Lord's sake. This is beautiful language here for the Lord's sake. Our submission to the civil authorities is submission ultimately to our Lord. For the Lord's sake. Listen to the language of Romans 13. Let every person be subject or submit themselves to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Wow, there's one. (laughs) Think of that. We're talking fallen, corrupt, pagan world and all its expressions of government and institutions. If it exists, it has been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists authorities resists what God has appointed and those who resist will incur judgment. The inference here is don't disobey God. There's a connection between the authorities that he has placed in your lives and his authority over all authority. When he gives a command like this, he's not playing games. He is to be obeyed. Pilate said to Jesus, You will not speak to me. This is when he was asking questions and Jesus remained silent. Then Pilate says this to Jesus Oh, man, these moments, if you could just be there and watch this exchange. Do you not know, he says to Jesus, I have authority to release you and I have authority to crucify you. And now Jesus responds. And I imagine with great ease these words flow from his mouth. You would have no authority over me at all. No authority at all unless it had been given you from above. You think you're in charge? You're not. You're not. What an exchange that is before Jesus willingly laid his life down at the hands of sinful men. Christian submission is a Spirit-empowered decision to willingly obey who? God. That's the sequence. When you are called to submit to the civil authorities that he has sovereignly placed in your life, first and foremost, lock eyes with him and say, Lord, I'm going to obey you. (laughs) I'm going to obey you. This may cost me. This is not easy. I'm going to pay those taxes because I want to obey you. And this is what Caesar has decided I am to render. Remember Jesus? Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and unto God what is God's. And he called the fish over, and the fish spat out a coin that was just the right amount for the poll tax that needed to be paid. Jesus paid his taxes. So should you. It's coming up, isn't it? Tax time. It's coming. Honor the Lord. Honor the Lord in the way you respond. Hmm. Now, imperfect God-ordained government, it must be said, is better than anarchy, lawlessness, and chaos. Okay? Just look at Haiti. Have you been watching the news? There's not a lot of coverage, is there? It's just surprising. Haiti is in a total mess. Their government is in shambles. They, they assassinated one leader, put another leader up, and, that, and gangs are roaming the city. Ten police officers were killed just a, a day or two ago. It is total chaos, violence, lawlessness. It's anarchy. So we've got to remind ourselves, Christians, my friends, we are not anarchists. We are not above the law. We are not those who decide which laws we like and which laws we don't, which we will keep and which we won't. No, we are those who uphold the law that God has placed over us even an imperfect God-ordained government is better than no structure and anarchy. Antifa should give evidence of this. We are not anarchists. We don't show up with opposition to darkness with threats and violence and shouting people down and, and trying to coerce responses. No, we show up completely opposite of that with love and light and gentleness and kindness and and ears to listen and mouths to speak truth and love. See, the difference is huge. And so we remind our hearts of this and we submit. What is the God-assigned purpose of government? What is the God-assigned purpose of government? This is beautiful. It's right here in the verse. It's very simple. Look at this. Verse 13, uh, the, the, the second half of 14 here, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. So punish evildoers and reward, praise, point out, commend those who do good. What's amazing about this is God is not silent about that structure which He has ordained to be in place. He's spoken even there. Government has a a divinely commissioned role. This is is huge. It's right in this book, and it was right for uh, James Coates to remind his own government in Canada why they exist, why they have power, how they should use it. God has spoken when it comes to these things. Pursue and punish those who do evil. So when the government says, you know what, Um, let's release convicted felons from prisons. Let's go light on, on crime. Let's let's defund the police. You know, fill in the blanks. Let's take down the prison system and just go light on evil. Guess what? They disobey God when they do so, and they will give account to Him for it. Or when they call evil good, and they reward evildoers and punish those who do good. The second role strikes me as something that I have just not witnessed very much in our government. Have we seen this? Protect and praise. Praise those who do good. Point them out. Commend them. Sometimes there's you know, civic awards given for this and that and the other. But for the most part, we don't see this as much as we ought. It's 50% of the role of government. That's their job. Government tends to get involved in all kinds of things that they really shouldn't be. <laughs> and how easy it is for a godless government who likes to rebel and live in the dark to, to live in, in, in violation of the things they're commanded to do. We, my friends, do not gauge our submission to the government based upon these things. It's not not ours to decide, well, you know what, this guy is, is righteous, he's a Christian, I think I'll obey him. No, it is ours to submit as unto the Lord. Rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad, Romans 13 Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. Think of that. He speaks this to those who live in Rome. They're living, Christians living in Rome. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. He is the servant of God. Think again, the language here. Civil authorities, servants of God an avenger of those uh, who who carries out god's wrath on the wrongdoer. So to disobey civil authority is to disobey god and in that to invite his right judgment upon your life. You say, well, what if what if the ruler is a terror to those who do good? That's a good question. That's a good question. The call is shine. The call is shine. Even in death. Even in Peter's death. How did he respond? He said, crucify me upside down. I am not worthy to be crucified the same way as my Savior. Right. So just think of the light that his death revealed of the authenticity of the gospel. Question number five, how does God work through our submissiveness? This is important to see. It's good to see this as well. Keep your conduct, we saw last week, among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak evil against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. That's in view. So, so he can use our responding in submission and obedience to the government in such a way that, that disarms the evildoers. And actually calls them to the uh, authenticity of the gospel. But in our text here today, verse 15, For this is the will of God that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Think of this. Do you want to put silence to those who are falsely accusing Christians? Then shine. Shine. Show forth Good works. By doing good, they're they're like, wait, what? That's not what we're used to seeing as far as responses. Something's different about this one. To be above reproach. I was describing that to people. It's one of the qualifications for elder. It means that when an accusation is hurled, it doesn't stick. It doesn't stick. It may be hurled. You may be accused of all kinds of things. But it it doesn't stick because it's proven wrong. And it may take some time. It may take even years for that to show. But a, a response of obedience and honoring of the Lord and a shining of good fruit will reveal that accusation was foolish and misplaced. This person is gentle and loving, and kind. They love their enemies. They pray for those who persecute them. So what do we do with that? Even when we kill them, we lose. We try to stamp the church out. Guess what? Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Even Christians, when they die, they win. We're at a loss. And Satan has tried generation after generation after generation to squash and destroy the church, and he just can't do it. One of the reasons is because Christians respond in this way, like Stephen, even if it means their life. You want to silence cancel culture? You want to put to silence the the accusations of ignorant people? Then show forth the fruit of righteousness. Righteousness. Just keep honoring God. Submit to Him. Trust Him. Cancel away, right? Do your worst. This is who we are. We are Christians, and we love God. We seek to bring His love to the ends of the earth. Tony Dungy has been the target of cancel culture. You Think think of these prominent believers, people that you know, that you esteem in their, their walk with the Lord. It is just a matter of time before they will attempt to cancel them. Because the one behind cancel culture tends to be the enemy of believers. Not in every scenario, but in many scenarios. So so Tony Dungy goes to the walk for life, to stand for uh, life, and to fight against abortion, and they go berserk. Keep doing your thing, Tony Dungy. You keep standing for life. Keep shining the light of Jesus Christ. Now, I've never met Tony, I don't know him personally, but if he is a believer, his call is just keep on shining, be steady, don't bow to the pressure or the fear of being canceled. Hmm. Grace-filled good deeds to the glory of God. That's how he uses them. As we obey and honor him for the sake of his name, we submit to those in civil authority over our lives, all of them, and we show forth good deeds. God is glorified. People understand that all of a sudden this is real, that these people are real. They're, they're not just gathering on Sundays because that's what they do. No, they really do believe this, even if it means suffering for it. Reminds me of Romans 12 21. Oh, here's a verse to memorize. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good, with good. If you want to overcome the darkness, what do you do? Just keep on being who you are. Shine in the light of the King. Hmm. Question number six, to what extent are we to submit? I know this is on our minds, isn't it? This is on our minds because we opened in phase one. The elders were praying, and, and, and we said, you know what, we should not have our doors closed. This COVID thing is not what it's been made out to be, and there are people scared, and there are people afraid, and the pot shops and the liquor stores are open, and they have shut the doors of the churches, and we said, it, it's wrong for us to be closed. And so we opened. Some of you are here because of that decision. So there is an extent to this call, to submit. There were other follow-up decrees that were given about singing, about spacing, about masks, about humming. I mean, there was one guy wearing a bee suit and trying to preach. I, we... I mean, it's the silliness. It, the, 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 there is no right of the governor to reach into this church and begin to shape and reshape what we do. You can't take communion. Yes, we can, and we will. How do we get there? How do we know when that is right and when it's not? That's an important decision. We submit and obey all civil authority except when doing so is sinful. We, we, we submit as believers, that's our call, submit and obey all civil authority except when doing so is sinful, when it goes against the directive of God, when it, when it flies in the face of who God is and what He has commanded There'll be a couple other scenarios I'll point out here in a second. Let's just be clear. Might does not make right. Just because someone is in a position of authority does not mean he is the moral compass for you, believer. Just because the crowd around us all says one thing does not mean that they have the right to to direct your life like your king does. I'm trying to say it a different way. Morality is not determined by the masses. We need to hear that these days, don't we? Students, when you're in school, just because 95% of your fellow students all believe one thing does not mean it's right. Just because the teachers all say this is right does not make it right. If what they say disagrees with what God says, then they are dead wrong. Stick with God. This is the pattern of the Christian experience through the ages of history. We are uniquely blessed to not have as many run ins as most of our brothers and sisters who've run the race before us. What's popular, many times, is not right in the eyes of God. We stand out, we, that's why we shine. <laughs> we're, we're light, we're different, we're in but not of. So just because a decree comes down does not mean that it is the morally right thing for the Christian to do. Hebrew midwives, kill the male children, came down the order from the Pharaoh, what did they do? I said, no, not going to do it. We don't know, but I would guess that some of those ladies died for that decision. Spot on, spot on. Daniel in prayer. You are not to do this. Daniel goes to the upper room. We're going to see this after we finish Peter. We're going into Daniel. He opens his windows and kneels in prayer to his king, the king of kings. Shadrach, Meshach, and the guy that I've always said his name wrong. Abednego. It sounds like I have a cold. Abednego. They obeyed the Lord. They refused to bow. And the fiery furnace was heated up and they walked in and they were protected. Four were in there. Guess who was with them? The king that they obeyed was with them. We're going to see these verses in the coming months. The apostles preaching. Let me read these verses. This is Acts 5. We looked at these verses as elders when we made our decision in phase 1. The high priest questioned them and said, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet here you filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than man. What you are commanding would be sinful for us to comply with, therefore we cannot comply. The very men that killed Jesus we're incensed and enraged at them and they kept on in obedience and trust with God five exceptions for civil obedience or what i would call the category for you christian of civil disobedience it is not something that will define our lives regularly we are far more defined by civil obedience but there may be times in our lives where we come up against this this is built out both by the handout and this book. I really appreciated the work they did. Five things. Number one, in order to do what is wrong, that would be sinful, we say no. Number two, in order to stop doing what is right, that would also be sinful. And so we say we will continue. Number three, in order contradicting another level of civil authority. Now this is, this is where we as Americans have, have Work, right? We've got to parse this out and make sure we're not just justifying sinful behavior. But there is a legal system, there is legal representation, there is the ability to take something to court and fight it. Paul appealed to Caesar, right? So we're not suggesting that we just blindly follow every civil command that comes from on high, but if there is a command that contradicts another established authority, then there sometimes is work to be done. The Alliance Defending Freedom has had tremendous success in this work, shining in an increasingly hostile and dark land. I cheer them on for this work. Question uh, Number four, uh, situation number four, in order to stay silent in the face of evil, in order to stay silent in the face of evil, no, we will not. This is why John the Baptist lost his head. You remember this? He confronted the blatant, blaring sin and was killed for it. We are not to stay silent in the face of evil. How do we speak? We just covered that. There's a tone. There's a way. And number five, in order to turn yourself in, repeatedly throughout Scripture, we see this as an aspect of civil disobedience. And uh, there's more on the book in this, but I think that's an interesting car- car- uh, category for you to kind of read more and understand um, before you jump on a plane to Bermuda or something. So uh, anyway, th- th- hopefully this will be helpful for us to think through. The-, the call here, though, is to be in tune, be aware. Ultimately, we, what we do is to be found from the Word of God to lead the way. We're people of God's Word. Let me wrap up here with this final verse in verse 17. This is spectacular. The more I looked at this verse, the more I was in awe of what Peter did here. Listen to this. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor, okay? Now, Wayne Grudem put this in a a kind of the hierarchy of submission and authority here. Look at what he did. I love this. Fear God. There's only one we are to fear and obey Our allegiance above all else is to the Lord Himself, our God. Secondly, who do we seek to just lavish with agape love above every other person on the face of this earth? It is the brothers and sisters, God's people. We are to love them in a special way. And then the call. Look at the sequence, the order here. Honor everyone. And then he concludes with honor everyone. The emperor. Now, you remember, the emperor in this day wanted to be worshipped as divine. He called the people to worship him, to fear him and obey him as God. Peter blatantly places him at the last on the list. Not that we should not honor the emperor and submit to him, but that we should fear God, love the brotherhood, honor everyone including the emperor we do not bend the knee in worship to the emperor we bend the will and submission because we fear god so response this morning man i tell you this, a sermon like this can go a thousand different directions in your life i'll just ask you this question are you living in the freedom of submission what does your conscience say How does the Spirit of God right now stir in your conscience? Now, here's the amazing thing. I could never land this in the way that God can. So listen to his voice. Don't harden your heart. If he is bringing something to mind that needs to be addressed in your life as it relates to the call that you've just received, go do it. Go do it. Appease your conscience that is being convicted by the Spirit of God. Even now, fear God. Obey him. Make much of your king by bending your will to those that he has placed in authority over your lives. When it comes to paying taxes, let's get it done. Let's get it done. Because we have a king who rules. Let's pray. Oh God, make us a people that shine in this place. Cause our hearts and our actions to be so lit up with your light and righteousness that, that we would stand out and that, that those that we interact with would be struck by this and those who would, who would hurl insults out of ignorance would be silenced and, and those who would accuse us and, and come at us would actually be saved, oh God by the unexpected response of the fruit of righteousness in our lives. We need you for this, Lord. We do not stir this up from our own willpower. We depend upon you. We look to you to empower us to this kind of submission for your glory. King Jesus, we honor you as Lord of lords, King of kings. We bend our knee before you, and because this is your will for us, we gladly bend our knee and tuck under the civil authorities that you have placed over our lives. Give us wisdom, Lord, when to disobey those authorities and protect our hearts to be right before you even when it's hard. Accomplish this, that you would be glorified, that your name would be renowned both in this nation and to the ends of the earth. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.